Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 1st, six minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. But wait a minute. You're not Rob Kendall. I'm not. No, that is Brad Kloppenstein filling in today. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, Casey. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. So I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but there was a big uh, thing going on. And uh, Christopher Ray he was warning that the threat of terror attacks against Americans has raised to, quote, a whole other level. This, of course, due to the ongoing conflict in the Middle East and Boy, does that make me feel good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not surprised just yeah. because we are Israel's largest ally and anybody who doesn't like Israel, which is like half the world, mm-hmm. uh, given that Israel is just fine at protecting themselves, then they lash out at Israel's biggest supporters, i.e. us. Yeah, everybody else. Israel, of course, uh, the only Western type country in that region. Such a shame, too, because Saudi Arabia was about to uh, be on good terms with them, and then Hamas had to step in. But uh, do you trust Christopher Ray when he says this? I mean, I believe we are at a whole other level, but I, do you I, trust him? Uh, I I guess we have to, Casey. What is our alternative? Say we're not going to trust our institutions and the people charged with running those institutions? Yes, that is the other alternative. It is the other alternative. Um, Mm -hmm. I I reluctantly will listen to him because he knows more about it than I do. Obviously, you and I and our listeners follow this closely, but he has access to information that we do not. And Mm -hmm. if he says that uh, our threat level is at a whole other level, I will tend to believe him. Okay, well, perhaps instead of pouring the Bureau's personnel and financial resources to prosecuting Biden's political opponents, maybe they should have cared more about security of this country and we wouldn't be at this level. I I am still fascinated by these the failure to recognize that Hamas was working on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Israel is mostly responsible for that failure, and I think Netanyahu will end up paying the price for it. But surely America, somebody in Europe, knew something was going on. Literally, they're a quarter mile apart. Mm -hmm. How do you not know that they're planning an attack like this? I'm also curious to know, what was Hamas's exit strategy on this? So they just say, we're going to go in there, we're going to kill a bunch of people, we're going to behead a bunch of children, and nobody's going to do anything about it. What was their end game? Okay, well, Ray warned that the most immediate concern is that individuals or small groups are going to draw inspiration from these events and use that to attack Americans, including homegrown violent extremists who are inspired by them. So there's the violent extremists and there's domestic terrorists. Is there a difference? We're going to try and get an answer to that. But first, here is the FBI director warning that the terror threat to Americans is at a whole other level. We assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. In just the past few weeks, multiple foreign terrorist organizations have called for attacks against Americans and the West. Al-Qaeda issued its most specific call to attack the United States in the last five years. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities in the United States and Europe. Hezbollah has publicly expressed its support for Hamas and threatened to attack U.S. interests in the Middle East. 
And we've seen an increase in attacks on U.S. military bases overseas carried out by militia groups backed by Iran. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the White House said this week that the Department of Justice and Homeland Security have seen an alarming rise in anti-Semitic incidents and threats against Jewish communities. A uh, DHS spokesperson said this week that the U.S. remains in a heightened threat environment. However, just Last week, they said they hadn't seen any credible evidence. So within a week, they've completely changed their message. And Peter Ducey was asking John Kirby, who is the White House spokesperson, if making uh, if people making these anti-Semitic threats are terrorists. And this was his answer. People in this country making violent anti-Semitic threats, are they domestic terrorists? I don't uh, know that we're classifying people as domestic terrorists for that. I mean, I, that's really a question better left to law enforcement. I'm, I'm not aware that there's been such a, uh, a characterization of that. Okay, so he's not aware. How are we classifying people then? <sighs> jerks and not jerks um <laughs> i guess it depends on it's one thing to have anti-semitic views i i have a very good friend and suddenly last week his son started spouting off all this stuff and both me and my buddy were like where is this coming from and i mean his son raised here in central indiana just you know pretty white bread as far as we were all concerned and like all right, this is interesting to say it. It's one thing to say it. It's a one thing to think it. It's a whole other thing to act to on act it. And on that, it. I think that is the delineation. But yes, getting in front of somebody before they act on it is going to be the rub for law enforcement, Homeland Security, the FBI, and to figure out who is truly a threat without than imposing your will on people who just have those views but are not threats. Well, I think at this point, if somebody says something, you have to believe them. Oh, you do. If somebody if somebody makes a threat, it is credible. Mm-hmm. So it, if you're thinking it, don't say that you want to do anything because you are going to incur the wrath of the government right now because people are a little twitchy about that. Yeah, well, it's weird that they had no problem classifying parents at school board meetings. They had no problem calling MAGA supporters extremists. But John Kirby better check with Christopher Ray because they don't seem to be on the same page. No, they might want to have a Zoom meeting or something. Yeah, earlier in the day, the FBI director said that violent extremists are a threat. So violent extremists are different than domestic terrorists. Got it. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. Do you get it? Do you understand? Yes. So if you're... If it rises to the level of violence, isn't that by definition pretty extreme since most people are not by nature violent? Okay, another thing that happened yesterday is uh, Senator Josh Halley. He's a guy from Missouri. He was questioning the uh, Homeland Security Director Alejandro Mayorkas about one of his employees who was praising terrorists but is still employed by the government. And a whistleblower told Josh Halley that DHS special agents, they're being pulled off investigating child trafficking at the border. And why are they being pulled off? He said to make sandwiches for illegal immigrants at the southern border. It's not what the special agent is, is alleging. That's not what she said. She said that they're being taken off of fentanyl interdiction, off of child exploitation cases, off of their other 
investigations into criminals to make sandwiches. That's her quote. You're saying that this is a lie, that she's wrong? Uh, Senator, um, we have a number of law enforcement priorities with the resources. Is making sandwiches one of them? We have, uh, of course not, Senator. We accomplish a tremendous amount. Is she wrong? Because of the tremendous talent and dedication of our personnel, including uh, Homeland Security investigators. Making sandwiches for, for illegal immigrants. Is she wrong? This is one of your agents. Is she wrong? She says that there are 600 at least special agents pulled off of other cases, sent down to the border to babysit illegal immigrants. Is she wrong? Uh, Senator, um, our personnel, we use our personnel to achieve the maximum law enforcement objective possible. Ah. That is what we do. And so you're I'm not going to deny it. And I'm incredibly proud of what our people do well, this every is news. single day. This is news. I'm wondering what kind of sandwiches they are. I don't know. I'm envisioning the, the old lady in the movie Bad Santa. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm thinking like Subway. It's like a counter, you uh, know? I'm going to make you some get to sandwiches. Your, get you pick your protein, or is it just standard PB&J? Take it. Yeah. I, uh, it I, seems like a colossal waste of time and money, though. It, it does. You take professionals who are trained in one area. That's yeah. kind of like Matt Hiblin coming in here telling you and Kevin, hey, during the breaks, if you guys wouldn't mind cleaning the restrooms or maybe <laughs> vacuuming in here, that would be great. NMJ, not my job. <laughs> but here's the thing. The border should have been closed a long time ago, but especially, especially since October 7th. It's 16 minutes after nine. It is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIB. I was working in the lab Good morning. It is 21 minutes after 9. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob is out today and Brad Kloppenstein is in. Did you have a good Halloween? I did have a good Halloween. How about yourself, Casey? Yeah, it was good. Uh, do you have a candy hangover this morning? No, no. I had a few pieces of candy corn and uh, otherwise we sat around and watched TV. I'm... I hate to say this, Casey, I'm a little bit of a Halloween Grinch. Are you? And this was born out of, uh, I went over to my friend Scott Armstrong's house about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and greeted t- trick-or-treaters with him because he gets a lot of trick-or-treaters. I could not believe how disappointed I was in humanity after that night. Why? What happened? The number of kids who were not in costume. Yeah. The number of adults that were taking candy and not in costume. <laughs> the number of kids who would not say trick-or-treat mm-hmm. and or the ones that would just walk up, not in costume, hold out a bag, and, and then stare at you. Yeah, just and like, then you'd be like, no, there's a you pro- there's a process here. There is. <laughs> and, and there's a quid pro quo that goes on here. I will give you candy, but you A, have to give some meager attempt mm-hmm. at dressing up, and B, you have to say trick or treat. You're a rule follower. I so, am a rule follower. So what, you, you didn't pass out any candy last so, night? Well, we actually live on the second floor of a condo, mm-hmm. so it's hard for kids to get to us, yeah. and so... So we had a little bit of candy there. But, Just in case. But yeah, we did not. Act, I think had it been warmer, we might have gone out on the sidewalk mm-hmm. level. But it was cold last it night. I didn't cold. want to be out there. I know. And all those kids had to put jackets on over their costumes. That's never any fun. Guess how many trick-or-treaters I had at my place. Six. Zero. What? Not one. And I, like you, I had candy. I was ready just in case. But I, of course, did the universal symbol of we're not passing out candy. And that was turning the porch light off. Okay. Now, my backup had I actually had more than the eight that I was prepared for. We had little individual bags of chips, mm-hmm. potato chips left over from the Oktoberfest in Lawrence that I was going to hand out. So you considered at one point passing out hot dogs and beer for what, the adults? 
I, I, I thought <laughs> that, that was going to be a great plan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as the forecast came in, I'm like, no, I don't know. I do not want to stand outside and wrestle a grill down the stairs and go through all that. So maybe next year I will do the hot dogs. I think it's a great plan. Hot dogs and beer. Mm-hmm. Adults would love it, but yep. I, I would want to advertise that ahead of time. But yeah, that that is for a year to come. So one of our big listeners, Drake, he had full-size candy bars. He had hot dogs and beverages for the adults. And he said anybody who came and said, I love WIBC would get the full-size candy bar. So I'm really curious how many of those he passed out. Now, now, what is your candy of choice? Uh, Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces, yes. <laughs> I almost said Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces? Reese's Pieces. Yeah. How about you? Um, I, I'm i a big fan of Baby Ruth in general. <laughs> um, I do like candy corn also. Yeah. Or, Number or one ingredient in candy corn is honey. So you're eating so healthy when you eat that candy corn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there, there's a company up in Frankfurt. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm blanking on their name. They make the best candy corn. Yeah. Um, I, I know you can get it at uh, Big Lots and I think GFS, but it was one of the two candies that the governor was giving out at his house. So it's a mellow cream, so it's a little heavier on the cream and a little lighter on the honey. Look at you wanting to be like the governor. That's never happened in that chair ever. (laughs) (laughs) I I could have done that job and done it well. Hey, let's talk about what's going on with the Lawrence Chamber. And uh, this is still many months away, but on April 8th of next year, there's a total eclipse that's coming. And Indianapolis is going to be right in the path of totality. And you guys are already planning something for this. Already? Shoot, we're at the home stretch of this. So, Casey, I don't know. How proactive of you. If only our government worked that way. It should. So um, I I don't know if our listeners know, I don't just hang around WIBC waiting for somebody to be sick or ill or Mm -hmm. get sued or something to come on the air. My day job is I run the Greater Lawrence Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And about a year and a half ago, I was in a, we were at our Indiana State or National Chamber Executives Convention. It happened to be here in Indianapolis. Chamber execs from around the country were here. And I was in this breakout session. And some of the people from Kentucky and down south who were in the path of totality of the last eclipse back Mm -hmm. in 2017 were saying, listen, you can't start planning early enough. You can't plan too much. This is going to be bigger than you can possibly ever imagine. Start planning now because it's going to be coming through central Indiana. So I started looking and I told the city, I'm like, and I told my board, I go, this is going to be big. It's going to be big. Well, so we started planning in Lawrence a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I think people were kind of skeptical. They're like, really? How many people are going to show up? The city of Indianapolis is estimating that in central Indiana, we are going to get 400,000 visitors coming to central Indiana. So Lawrence, fortunately, got ahead of the curve. Um, We are having an entire weekend worth of events. So the eclipse is on a Monday at three in the afternoon. So on Saturday, I believe there's a 5K that mm-hmm. they have planned. There's a Eclipse Pickleball Tournament of course for there is. Sunday. Well, why wouldn't there be a Pickleball because Tournament a pickleball to celebrate tournament a, for everything. That's an Eclipse. It's going to be the demise of civilization. Yeah. Uh, but then on Monday morning, the YMCA is going to be doing Eclipse Yoga. The City of Lawrence is pulling out their giant mobile stage. We've lined up bands for the entire day in Lawrence Community Park, and it's going to culminate with the Jay Baker Band playing both before 
before the eclipse, and then they're going to cut it off at about 3 o'clock. We're all going to enjoy the eclipse, and mm -hmm. then Jay Baker is going to fire back up afterwards. And one of the purposes of that is traffic will be a nightmare for hours to come once the eclipse is done at 315. <laughs> so the more that we can hold people there yeah. and let them disperse, the better. But yes, so if, if you're making plans now to watch the eclipse, I would come to Lawrence. Just okay. like the state park said that they can hold 400 cars, their plan right now is to open that up to 700 cars. But even then, for them to process 700 cars through the gate will take them all day. So it'll be backed up. So make Lots alternate. Plans. Local restaurants going to offer eclipse themed specials the, and also a, a brewery with special eclipse beer. Yeah, huh? so Triton Brewery is going to make a special light and dark of ecl course. eclipse beers. And uh, all the places that would normally be closed on Sundays and Mondays, we've told encouraged them to stay open and have hours. And we're like, listen, there's going to be a lot of people mm -hmm. here. But even like all the hotels in central Indiana are starting at like $1,000 a night. Well, good for you for being so proactive on that. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow let alone April 8th of 2024. Well, you, as long as you're still in central <laughs> Indiana, it's going to be dark that afternoon. And I heard that IMS is planning a lot of stuff, too. They are. All right, it is 28 minutes after 9. It's the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Good morning, 933. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall has the day off today. Brad Klopfenstein is in. Did you see this? The Pentagon announced plans for a new nuclear bomb. Well, the old ones just weren't getting it done, Casey. This one is 24 times as powerful as the one that was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. 24 times as powerful. Well, cities have gotten bigger. Oh. And we need yeah, a bigger one? <laughs> no. Is that what you're saying? I, I thought, well, so apparently we are following the letter of the law and not necessarily the spirit, because I thought we were in the process of disarming and getting rid of nuclear weapons. So apparently we've decided, yes, we're only going to have two, but they're going to be two really big ones. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know much about nuclear strategic warfare, but <laughs> as you're saying- Haven't you seen the movie see, War Games with Matthew Broderick? Shall we play a game? It seems to me the bombs we are have would do the trick, but this comes just a few days after China said that they plan to double their arsenal of nuclear warheads to over 1,000 by the year 2030. So this is all very comforting and reassuring, especially since we started the show with Christopher Ray saying we're at a whole other level of security threat in the country. So how do you feel about having much larger nuclear bombs? Well, isn't that what this is? It's, yeah. uh, it's the big swinging bomb contest we've got going on? It is. I, I'm, yes. I, now, me personally would think you'd be better off having several little ones, mm -hmm. but apparently somebody at the Pentagon or a contractor has decided that- We need something bigger and better? Need, yes. The BBD, the bigger, better deal. Okay, so the U.S. currently has over 3,700 nuclear warheads. And you might recall, though, during the 2020 election, Joe Biden said that he was going to bring us closer to a world without nuclear weapons, and then- turned around and did the exact opposite. Uh, he's doing it. We're just going to have one. Yeah, one big one. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty ambitious uh, effort. And uh, we're spending more than $750 billion over the next decade to revamp all the ones that we currently have. Have apparently, you ever seen... Apparently, all of our nuclear defenses are aging. 
So they need to spend a lot of money to upgrade all the systems and parts. They are 50 years old. That, no. When I, I had a summer job in college where I was out in Annapolis, Maryland, and along the East Coast mm-hmm. working for the local school system. And they had acquired some property that had been decommissioned nuclear missile silos. And we were using it as storage. But it was very creepy to go into these things just knowing what they were built for. Mm-hmm. And they were literally everywhere. And I think that there's actually some up around La port in uh, northwest Indiana, and those were installed to protect some of the steel mills that were up there. So there, there's more out there than you would know. As you mentioned, we have 3,700, mm-hmm. and they are on ships, on land, on sea, anywhere you might think of them, and they're flying around. This is one of those things that I, I like knowing that we have them, but I don't want to know that we have them. I don't yes. want to know that other countries have them. I want to stop the other countries. Ignorance from is bliss. I'm yeah, with you. Exactly. Okay, so what's going on in Lawrence? You've got the candidates for the mayor race raising a lot of money. So I, I suggested that we talk about this today. And this is not unusual to Lawrence, I don't think. So mm-hmm. the Lawrence mayor's race, it is a very tight race. I would call it a toss-up right now. So far, $600,000 have been spent in that race, mm-hmm. which for a city of 50,000 people, that is 30 votes or $30 per person being spent on that, on that race. Um, Indianapolis, which is... Basically, mm-hmm. a million people. I think that that one's upwards of $30 million. I think it's closer to 20 at this point. Now, somewhere between 20 and so 30. So, Jim Merritt and I had Jefferson Shreve on his, on our podcast a couple Did weeks ago. Did you ask ago. him how much he spent? Because it's being yes. reported he's a, he's close to $15 million. Yeah, and I think 13 and a half or 14 of that is his own. So right. and I ask him, I'm like, so how did this how did this conversation go with your wife when you said, I'm thinking about running for mayor and mm-hmm. I'm going to a spend enough to buy a beachside mansion in the Caribbean. And he's like, well, interesting. I was on the beach when I asked, talked to my wife about it. And mm-hmm. she said no the first two times we talked. She didn't want him to run. She did mayor. not want him to run. Or the first she didn't two want times. him to spend the money. I don't know. So, I mean, he obviously has a lot of money and mm-hmm. he did not expand on whether or not her no was financial based or I don't want to open ourselves up to that. But he spent a lot of money, more money than you and I will ever see. Yeah, well, he has more money than you and I will ever see. Yes. So you think it's too much money for a political race? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, you you looked at so the the mayor of Lawrence probably makes eighty or ninety thousand dollars a year. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis is probably one hundred and twenty. So to spend millions of dollars, I mean, you could never recoup that in salary. Um, and then at, at what point is it the law of diminishing returns where you know you run another six hundred dollar television commercial are you really going to sway any more voters or do you just have to be present at that point mm-hmm. now there's an ad that started running on these airwaves on monday that i find curious so deb whitfield is the democratic candidate for mayor in lawrence she is a currently a lawrence common counselor she is voicing a commercial for city county counselor maggie lewis but she just introduces herself as deb whitfield or lawrence common counselor and then goes into why you should vote for maggie lewis it seems to be kind of a softball lob letting Deb Whitfield get some name ID, which I've said her name now three times, mm-hmm. so it's helping her. But if Maggie Lewis is going to give her that assist, why not just give her some money, donate some money, donate some airtime? Um, I'm very curious why they chose to go that route. 
because they have the money to spend. Apparently. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the only Maggie Lewis ads I can ever recall hearing. Yeah, well, a lot of people say keep the money out of the politics, but the Supreme Court said differently. It is speech. If, you know, it, it, that's it exactly. Money equals speech. So they're trying to get that message out there. I have wrestled with this my entire life, Casey. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that if I had Jefferson Shreve type money, I would run and that would allow me to get my message out. But on the other hand, I I would think that there's other ways to do it. And I, I just think the more money that flows into politics, the more likely it is that there is someone is going to be corruptible because they owe favors. Mm. Oh, yeah. Good point. Okay. So it is 940. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Do you know who Theo Vaughn is? Uh, I did not until you told me. Okay, so this guy, he's a comedian. He's a podcaster. He's got over 2 million subscribers. And he sat down and talked with Tucker Carlson. And this just dropped last night. And it was a three-hour podcast. I mean, we could have grabbed all sorts of clips from this conversation they had. I found it fascinating. I wanted to keep listening. I didn't want to turn it off. But um, they're talking about Theo Vaughn's cocaine use and I thought this part was a little interesting because Tucker to me sounds like he's kind of familiar with the lingo and just the entire conversation uh somebody who you wouldn't think would have that experience but boy he he knows he knows the talk so what's going on there um Theo Vaughn this guy he looks at things really differently he says some of the weirdest stuff it's like he wants to be this intellectual but he's just so authentic and real he's not in that elite group but it's almost like he wants to be I I just I thought this conversation was really interesting so let's take a listen to it I love the 12-step thing because you just like it, as with Christianity, which I also like, you admit right away that you are powerless. Yeah, exactly. You're not in control. Your life's unmanageable. That's a nice word that they use a lot because it's like sometimes people are like, man, I'm not powerless. But I'll be like, you know, things are unmanageable for me. The way that they phrased everything, it was just really articulate. But anyway, man, well, congrats on that. Yeah, I think it's interesting and it gives me a better scope to handle my own life, you know, and it definitely gives me more opportunity to look at other people when I when I'm able to. Um, do you find yourself less judgmental? And what, what about all the guys you used to do cocaine with? Do you mm, still talk? To I them? did it by myself. Good. That's a fun way to do it. Yeah. Chopping outlines at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd change outfits and come back in and be a different guy doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hey, don't do it. This is for me. You know? Just yelling at the other me. <laughs> You're literally doing it alone. Oh, yeah, brother. I would do it alone and I'd go hide it somewhere. And I'd be like, I'm going to bed and not doing it anymore. And then I would get up and go find it. You know? And I would do more. And It does affect your sleep patterns. Yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So they're talking about recovery, right? Yes. Uh, both of those people from very different backgrounds, and they've both stated that all they want to do is be able to speak their minds without someone looking over their shoulder. Hence the podcast from Theo Vaughn, and you know we all know what Tucker Carlson's doing now. So now my thoughts are, Casey, you and I are both Gen Xers, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've been kind of a man of the world. I was sold beer, I was mm-hmm. a broad ripple. I mean, I've been out. I shoot, I I stayed a bachelor until just a year and a half ago. Right. I am constantly amazed as I get older. 
you find the things you find out about people you thought you knew, mm-hmm. and you find out, oh, those people are a big cokehead, right. or those people are swingers, or keep them talking, right? Exactly, and I'm like. Am I this naive and sheltered? <laughs> I didn't I mean, know. Yeah, I'll have a few beers once in a while, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't party like that, but yeah. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I'm the same way, Brad. I'm shocked all the time that I, am I that naive that I didn't know that? And, and maybe actually I am, but Tucker was the guest on Theo Vaughn's podcast, but he completely took the lead of the interview. But it doesn't come across that way. I just thought that was really interesting because Theo Vaughn is supposed to be the host of his own podcast. You bring somebody like Tucker Carlson in, and then they flipped it. And Tucker was the one who was lobbing up questions, but it didn't come across as egotistical or I'm going to take over your space. But that's exactly what he it, did. It's it's the traditional roles. And mm-hmm. I think that, that Tucker is used to that. So it's very easy for him to morph into that. Mm-hmm. And Theo Vaughn, I'm sure, was just a Learning. little starry-eyed. Yeah, I'm sure he was. It, it, although it happens. One time I, when Abdul had his show on the other radio station, I was filling in because it was the morning after his bachelor party. So I'm like, hey, I'll fill in, Abdul. You come in whenever you want to come in. It was the weirdest thing because I was sitting in his chair Mm -hmm. interviewing Abdul as if he was the guest on his own show. Yeah. And it ended up flip-flopping just because that was our natural relationship. It is 945. You're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 949. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Mr. Rob Kendall has the day off. Brad Kloppenstein is joining us. So, Brad, a majority of Americans say they are behind on their emergency savings. This is according to a new poll. That shouldn't shock anybody. I mean, we've got groceries at an all-time high, gas prices at an all-time high. So many people have their student debt that they're not able to, you know, uh, afford. So everybody is spending like there's no tomorrow. And if you've seen the news lately, hey, you never know, there might not be. There might not be a tomorrow. There might not be. This Um, reminds me, I met with a financial planner like 20 years ago. He said, now, Brad, you know, and they did the normal financial planner questions. He goes, if you lost your job today, how long could you make it? I'm like, I'd probably make it till this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a video of a guy, he was at a gas station and he pulled up and he could see all the receipts in the trash can next to the pump of people. And he started digging out receipts and he was like, well, let's see where everybody is. Oh, current balance, $124. Current balance, $400. Current balance, like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Rip up those receipts, by the way, before you put them in the trash. I I didn't know that they had the balance on there. But that doesn't surprise me though, when you see these polls that says 38% of people surveyed said that they have no money for an emergency. 22% say they're slightly behind. And, you know, they say you're supposed to have uh, a six-month emergency base. A six-month People can't even, like you said, six days, six weeks, right. let alone half a year. Yeah, but most Americans, or a significant proportion of Amer- Americans, live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. And it's it's been that way for a while, but it is getting worse. And some of it is that, yes, you've got inflation chewing things up. Um, we've now got, what, the prime... Prime rate is now for a mortgage is over eight mm-hmm. percent. I mean, Sheila and I looked at at buying some property in our neighborhood, but it just we couldn't financially make it work. We were going to turn it into a rental, but the amount we were going to have to charge for rent to mm-hmm. cover the mortgage, yeah, it, it wouldn't work. Yeah. So under Biden, paying bills and saving for emergencies, uh, replacing saving for retirement. Well, I mean. W- 
emergency. Let's we, uh, retirement. Well, some of can it we is the lot- there? It's the lottery culture. A lot of people don't believe that they can actually work hard and save enough to ever be wealthy. So they plow money that would otherwise be going into savings or investments, and they just play the lottery and they're hoping that it'll pay off. Yeah. So this is a top concern for people age 21 to 64 is saving for retirement. But I'm very confused by this because uh, President Walnut, Joe Biden, was talking about this yesterday. And I don't understand. We have to listen to this. Maybe you can help me figure out what he's saying here. Now, I would argue that most people, an awful lot of people, but not the people in this room, but an awful lot of people don't think about that retirement when they're 20, 30, and 40 years old. But here's what it means. Many Americans spend their whole lives working, putting every dime left at the end of the month in their retirement account. <laughs> he started by saying people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s don't think about retirement, but many people work their entire lives to put every penny towards retirement. Which is it, old guy? Uh, Kevin, do we have at the ready the clip from Billy Madison where they're in, <laughs> they're in the, the debate and the moderator just says, not a single thing you said made any sense. We were all dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, so which is it? Nobody's thinking about retirement, but, but they're working and putting every penny towards retirement. retirement. It's yeah, so it's, confusing. That's your president. Okay, so the House Oversight Committee, speaking of the Bidens, the House Oversight Committee revealed that... Uh, Hunter received a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar loan. loan. Yeah, from his uh, Chinese business associates. But this was back in twenty nineteen, and this was just a couple months before his uh, dad, dear old dad, announced his run for president uh, and didn't pay it back himself. But I bring this up because I want to talk about Hunter Biden. Did you see that video that was circulating last night about him? Oh, my God. What was up with that? If you didn't see it, it's uh, it's Hunter Biden, and it's in selfie mode. It is in selfie mode. But, but it's he, a video. He's curiously always in the center of the screen, but his eyes are blown. He looked... He looked he high, didn't he? He, he looked, did. He, I don't think he blinked the entire time. And he's, he's circling around in whatever residence he was in, and... Brad, I watched that thing a dozen times, and I kept looking to think, this is a fake. This is a deep fake, right? Right. Because I thought, oh, here it it comes. This is a deep fake. And it came the day after Biden announced all of that uh, AI proposals, right? And he even said when he was making the announcement, I've seen myself saying things, and I thought, when did I say that? And then, okay, the very next day, Hunter Biden releases this weird-looking video. Are they going to come out and say, oh, that was, a, that was a deep fake. We're trying to prove our point. If not a deep fake, what is he doing? Is he trying to prove where he is? I think we go back to our cocaine conversation from a little bit ago. Um, I... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't understand. I didn't. I couldn't figure out the purpose of it. He's I don't, trying to timestamp his whereabouts. Possibly at proof of life. I, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Like he he had something intentional because he didn't say anything in no, the video. No, he just kind of wandered around, staring at the camera. It was just quiet the whole time, and yeah, that's uh, that's the first son. Okay, it's the Kendall and Casey show. It's ninety three WIBC. Good morning.